we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? Happy Friday night, Halloween Eve. Our families, uh, Ryan and I, our families are all, all over the place getting uh, last-minute preparations done. Uh, I am Matt Prino. He is Ryan Talbot. We're joined tonight by Chris Mason from MassLive.com. He's their Patriots beat reporter. we got a big game to talk about. But, Ryan, you said the kids are off to a trunk or treat tonight to get ready. Trunk or treat. I was kicking them out the door. I'm like, come on, I've got a pod that we have to get going. They were taking their time getting their costumes on, but they're pumped and ready to go for this weekend. And Chris, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we started. Uh, you guys aren't traveling on the road this 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 year. We aren't either. Uh, obviously, COVID situation. This is a good week not to be traveling because it's supposed to be an absolute uh, monsoon here on on Sunday. But you you guys got some snow today? We did. We got three inches. So happy October, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. We got a big game to get into, and I'm not going to waste any of your time here because the, you know, excitement level for Patriots week, you know, in Buffalo is always like massive. Like people get really amped up for it. Um, before we go any further, I always forget this because, you know, we're always chomping at the bit. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are sponsored by Tops friendly market your neighborhood store with more make sure you head over there on sunday because we all know the supermarkets they 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 discount all the candy the day after halloween so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be hopping over to tops uh, on sunday morning stocking up uh, even though i'm sure my my little one because i don't think the kids are going to go too hard trick-or-treating this year because with covid i don't know how many houses i want them to go to and all that kind of stuff so uh it's a whole new year but um Let's jump right into this thing. And I think all of a sudden here, you know, late last night, early today, the number one storyline that's now kind of rising is Stefan Gilmore and his potential availability uh, for Sunday. He injured an, his knee on Thursday, didn't practice today, listed as questionable. Chris, what's going on there? Yeah, apparently he tweaked it at practice yesterday. And I mean, anytime a player doesn't practice on Friday, that's a pretty bad sign for their availability, you know, because that's usually a walkthrough day. And if you can't get out there for the walkthrough, then what's going on? And it's not just Stefan Gilmore. 
They also, J.C. Jackson was a surprise on the injury report today, too. So he's another really important piece of the Patriots secondary. Um, so they're both questionable. And, yeah, a lot of question marks coming into the game. The Patriots have 11 players listed on there. It's questionable. Wow. And with Gilmore, you know, I think that he's such an interesting you know, topic, you know, obviously Bill's fans very familiar with him. He was here uh, in Buffalo before he went to New England, but let's start with if he can't play, you know, you mentioned, you know, there's some other injuries going on there, but what does this secondary potentially look like without Stefan Gilmore back there? I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly going to be different. Um, I think everyone just kind of assumed that Gilmore would be on digs in this game, right? Like that's your premier matchup. That's what you're going to do. But then J.C. Jackson would be the next guy who I would think they would match up with him, and now he's not there either. So you still have Jason McCourty at one corner. You could move – Jonathan Jones has played a lot in the slot. You could move him out to the other corner. But I think this obviously affects the game plan a lot. When you're going to – I mean, you're definitely going to need more help. You're going to need more, you know, safety play. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you if you're looking for a house because I heard that Stefan Gilmore has one on the market right now, you know, close to the stadium, good proximity. Odd coincidence, something more to it. Do you think there's something to that? Because Albert Breer said that they were talking about moving him before the season. Obviously, premier number one cornerbacks don't hit the market that often. So do you think that the Patriots are serious about trying to maybe move him at the trade deadline? If they lose this game, I think they will be. That's I think this game is just huge in terms of what the Patriots are going to do because they fall to two and five here, They've lost four games in a row. Then I think you might see maybe not a total fire sale, but the rebuild has to start, right? And Gilmore is a very attractive piece on the trade market. You know, he's 30, so I'm not sure if you get a first rounder for him, but even if you get a second rounder, um, he's got a big cap number, which that was another thing where uh, they restructured his deal at the beginning of the year because he wanted more money. He might want another raise. And to be honest, I don't think his play, his play hasn't really been close to what it was last year when he was the defensive player of the year. Um, he's still a very good cornerback, but there's also times where it looks like he's just not totally engaged out there. It's funny you bring that up. That going back to his time in Buffalo, and obviously that was before I covered the team, but you know, growing up around the team and following them, that was one of the things that always kind of stood out to me. The the highs were very high, but there were times when you know, he didn't play up to what I thought the 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 really good tape that he put out there um, at times. And obviously, you go back to those, that Buffalo scenario where he was basically playing, you know, in a losing culture on a losing team. And all of a sudden you get, you know, into this situation here. You guys are, you know, the Patriots are two and four. It's kind of a whole different world li- that he's living in in New England, you know, after years and years of success. Do you think that kind of might be playing into this at all? I think it certainly could. And I mean, he's taken, I think it's some like four penalties already this year. He had like one all year last year and a couple of them have been lazy where it's like, he's just reaching and grabbing when he doesn't need to. And it's, I mean, last week against the 49ers too, there were a couple of plays where, you know, he's in position to make a tackle and it looks like he just doesn't really want to make that tackle. So yeah, I think the engagement does look different this year. There was always some talk in Buffalo too about the willingness to tackle. Uh, but going up to the, but going back to what you said about his play, you know, some Bills fans have said the same thing about Tre'Davious White hasn't played at the level as one year ago. Could it be to do with anything with all the opt outs with all those players on, you know, the the D linemen, the linebackers that aren't playing or that are injured and banged up that maybe are affecting his play in the secondary? 
Uh, I could see how that happened in Buffalo where maybe the Bills aren't getting enough pressure, so then the wide receiver has more time. So what do you think is factoring into Gilmore maybe not playing at the same level as he did one year ago? I think, first of all, he set a ridiculously high bar last year, right, that we're comparing him to now where it's like you're the defensive player of the year as a corner for the first time in like a decade or so. But beyond that, I don't know if it's the team's record. I don't know if it's just like a general effort thing. But, um, I mean, as far as, like, the Patriots opt-outs, they haven't made a huge difference in the secondary. I mean, they did lose Patrick Chung, but I don't think that has been, like, a deal-breaker for Stephon Gilmore. You know, I think it's just more of uh, – I think it's more of a Gilmore thing than anything. Um, lot there to digest, but let's move to the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots because I think that's – one of the areas where you know this week, if you're a Bills defense that has been struggling this season, last week against the you know hapless Jets, um, they they got right a little bit and you know holding them to ten points, four yards in the second half, but it's still the Jets. Before that, five straight games of twenty or more points. So looking at this Kansas or this uh, New England offense, let's start with Cam Newton, and you know I'm very interested to dive into the whole dynamic of cam and what that has been like these last few months of they as as they've tried to get him up to speed get him ready to play because one of the things that ryan and i talked quite a bit about was okay he signs i believe it was was it june when he signed yeah i think it became finalized in early july but yeah the agreement was in place late june okay so they basically had two months before the the first game and the first game is the regular season you know opener and, and it's like all right, all right we we installed everything we we brought you up to speed on everything no practice like game reps just go go do it and so i always thought that this was kind of set up to fail so how have they tried to get him up to speed how has it worked because it seems like a couple times this season it has worked okay so how is that all going on in terms of how it's played out see that's really fascinating because right out the gate the first two games are by far the best the patriots offense looked this year and since then, they've regressed. And I think a lot of that is in the opener, Newton carried the ball. They did a ton of read option stuff. It was a lot of, you know, things that you'd expect to see with Cam Newton. But he ended up carrying the ball 15 times in that win. So I think that turned into, like, this guy's not going to last 16 games carrying the ball 15 times. You know, it's just not sustainable. And then they went to uh, Seattle, and he threw for, like, 397 yards, and they lit up that Seahawks defense. But now you kind of find out that's fool's gold because everybody lights up that Seahawks secondary. They're just not mm-hmm. very good. Um, and then here, obviously, he had the COVID thing thrown in there. It was kind of a curveball, but he has looked as bad as a quarterback can look the last couple of weeks between decision making, um, mechanics, all of it. And he's not really carrying the ball as much anymore, which I think is something that, you know, brings him confidence and like brings his game up but that just hasn't really been happening. What's going on with not throwing to his right the last two weeks, three throws, I believe in the last two weeks, none last week at all. Yeah. So that's a bizarre thing. And the coaches don't really have an answer for it. They're like, Oh, it's coincidence that just happens that way. But I think that's an alarming thing, right? (laughs) That's a third of the field that you're just not throwing to. Uh, So there hasn't really been any sort of like concrete reasoning for it. That's been offered but it's definitely something that's showing up on the film. And I mean, last game, he only ended up throwing the ball 15 times. Three of those were picked off and he was benched for Jarrett Stidham. 
Speaking of Sidham, you know, he threw an interception as well. Is Newton playing for his job job at this point? Is there really no threat on that roster as of this time? So that's the thing. I don't think Stidham is knocking at the door. And it's funny, Belichick has reverted to this very, like, throughout, like, this whole season, and especially with their COVID outbreak, uh, everything is hour by hour, day by day. You know, we're taking it hour by hour. But when he was asked after the game, is Cam Newton your starting quarterback moving forward? He said, absolutely. You know, it's not like, oh, we'll see how practice plays out. We'll see. It's like, no, he's absolutely still starting quarterback. So I think more than anything, that speaks to the gap between Newton and Stidham right now, where they don't think he's that close. You know, if they thought Stidham was really pushing for the job, then I think that answer is, oh, you know, we're taking hour by hour. We'll, we'll see. We're, we're moving, you know, one day at a time. So, oh, no, go ahead. And then you saw Brian Hoyer in that Kansas City game. So he's also <laughs> not close. Um, you know, we're talking so much about the quarterbacks and how bad they, you know, have been at, at when they've played Stidham, Cam, the last few games. There's, he doesn't really have a lot to work with. Even when Julian Edelman was healthy and Kiel Harry were healthy. I mean, uh, at this stage of, of Julian Edelman's career and the kind of awkwardness of the transition from Tom Brady to, to Cam Newton, that I think anybody was going to have no matter, no matter what, I mean, I don't care if it was, you know, Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, that's a, you know, this version of cam, especially this recent one, the last few weeks, it's, it's just a little bit different from uh, Tom Brady, who on target on point, every time he throws the ball, you know, it's going to generally be there, but Julian Edelman's out. He hurt his knee this week, or he went, had surgery on his knee this week, concussion protocol still for Enkiel Harry, who is going to be catching the ball for the New England Patriots on Sunday. I mean, I think this impending monsoon is probably the best thing that could happen to him where, you know, they're just not going to be throwing the ball if you're getting those 50 mile an hour wins. But they're very thin there where Demir Bird has actually played more snaps than anyone else this year. I guess he's your number one receiver. Jacoby Myers is someone that hasn't played a ton. He might be in there. Gunnar Oslewski is also there. And then you're going to see, I think, at least one practice squad elevation. So they're pretty thin there and they're thin at tight end, too. Mm. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was going to say, among the, the practice squad players, you know, I, I don't know how, if you, if you have like a rankings in your mind, but I, I was, I heard some talk about Zuber. Is that how you say his name? Is he maybe the, the top guy to come up if it is a practice squad elevation? Yeah, I would definitely think it's Isaiah Zuber of that group to come up. He's been active for three games already, which um, I think two of those were technically COVID related. So they, they had the weird practice squad rules where you can be elevated three times. Um, so yeah, I, I would expect it to be Isaiah Zuber who we still haven't seen a ton of, you know, he was an undrafted guy. Um, they like getting the ball in his hands on jet sweeps cause he's fast done that a couple times on film, but, uh, he'd be the most likely, uh, next candidate. I think. You mentioned running the ball. Uh, I think that's the expectation to see a lot of that on, on Sunday, whether it be Cam, uh, Damian Harris, who popped up on the injury report. He's averaging 5.7 per carry this year. You know, before Sony Michelle went on the IR, he was averaging close to seven. So, I mean, the running game seems to have been working for the Patriots without, you know, being there watching every game. How has that worked? And how do you think, you know, relying on that will work for them on Sunday? See, I think the running numbers are tougher to look at because it's been really feast or famine where they've had two games of over 200 yards on the ground where they just absolutely bullied the Dolphins and the Raiders. But they've also had two games where they've had less than 100 yards. And, you know, I think smart teams, like the more film there is on Cam, they're like, all right, we're making him throw to beat us. We're not going to let this team power run on us. 
um, and just load the box. So I think they do want to run. That's the identity they want. I think it's the identity they've wanted for a couple of years, actually. You know, even when going back to the Super Bowl they won in 2018, like Brady was the quarterback, but that team had a ton of success on the ground. I have a, I have a fun hypothetical for you, but go ahead, Ryan, before I do. I was going to talk about then. Are you anticipating then Buffalo stacking the box, uh, challenging or daring Newton to throw, especially with the weather conditions uh, and what we've seen the last few weeks? So is that something that you see happening on Sunday with the Bills saying, hey, listen, we're going to make you beat us with your arm? Absolutely. Uh, load the box and make can't beat you with the arm and with that cast of receivers right now who, you know, there's nobody that's jumping off the page at you. I think it's one of those where, like, if Cam Newton, those receivers beat you through the air in a monsoon in your Buffalo, I think you just kind of tip your cap and you're like, all right. <laughs> but you, you just can't let the Patriots run the ball down your throat because that's what they want to do. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, especially with Gilmore in, in doubt, this is definitely a game that, you know, it just has all the makings for that ultimate disappointment that Bills fans have experienced for decades. I mean, because this everything is pointing to – just an absolute massacre in this game. I mean, you look at the, what the Bills offense did the first four weeks of the season. I know the weather is going to be a, a, a problem. The way the defense has traditionally played you know, against Tom Brady under Sean McDermott has been actually pretty good. It's been the offense that hasn't been able to score enough points. But I want to ask you before I get your pick and uh, get you out of here, a hypothetical, because I think that this defense, you take a look at it at all three levels, you know, they're missing pieces from last year, whether it be free agent guys that are gone, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins. You got Dante Hightower that uh, opted out. You mentioned Patrick Chung. If Bill Belichick could take one guy, one single player that was on the roster last year in the starting lineup and insert him for this game, like who are they missing the most? Who would he insert for this game? Hightower, 1,000%. Their linebackers have had a very difficult time in coverage this year. That's been exposed. And he was a beast in the run game and they have been getting run on too. So I think without question, it's high tower. Mm, very interesting. And he's somebody that I think has played exceptionally well against the bills. He's been somebody that has frustrated. I think Josh Allen uh, in, in the three games that he's played against them. And so, yeah, I think that's a great pick. Speaking of pick, who do you got? And I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, if you usually put this out later in the week, or if you don't do it at all, but what, what, what's your, what's your, how do you think this game's going to play out? Uh, so this is coming to MassLive.com at 6 a.m. tomorrow, but I'll let you guys in on it. I have the Bills in this game. I think okay. it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a rock fight, and I think the mon- it's going to look like monsoon football, but ultimately I think Buffalo is just uh, the more uh, well-rounded team, and I see them winning this game. Chris Mason, my man, delivering in a big way on a Friday night at 6 o'clock. I appreciate it. Why don't you let everybody know, A, well, I'll let them know where they can find you, at by Chris Mason on Twitter. Let them know uh, what you got coming here uh, so they can go check it out before the game. So, yeah, we have a huge game preview that drops on Saturday mornings, matchups, predictions, well, a more in-depth prediction, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, point spreads, quotes, everything you want there. So, uh, yeah, we've got mega preview drops tomorrow at 6 a.m. Awesome. Getting you ready for the game from the Patriots' perspective. Chris Mason, Have enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, man. Take care. All right. We will be right back before we do continue. A quick word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.
All right, Bills fans, we are going to uh, preview this game a little bit more from the Bills perspective here to close out the show. If you have any specific questions, next 10 to 15 minutes, put them in here and we'll try to get them before we get out of here on this Friday night, uh, one day before Halloween. Let's start with Josh Allen because I'm writing a bit about this right now. It's going to come out on the site tomorrow about, you know, just the history between Josh now and Bill Belichick. It's three matchups. It's three matchups where, um, you know, for the most part, Josh, Josh hasn't been very good. Now you take the first game, you know, his rookie season and you just throw it out. I mean, I don't really want to use that at this point because I think he's a completely different player in a completely different place. Um, but you take the two games from last season and the progression that he made from the first game to the second game. And actually he, he really pinpoints that first game as the one that completely changed the course of his career, you know, where he basically went back to the drawing board, apologized to everybody in the organization, players, coaches, Brandon Bean even, and said, I'm going to, you know, be more committed to taking care of the football. So now you fast forward to this matchup and everything we've seen since week 16 last year, where I still think they frustrated him and, and confused him at times um, into some, you know, I don't want to say mistakes because he didn't throw any interceptions, but to where he wasn't making plays and, and he also wasn't really able to, you know, get drives moving. Most of the time, the, the big couple big plays that they hit were the reason the game was so close in the end. So Ryan, let's start with your expectations for Josh in this game. Well, first and foremost, I think you're going to see a much higher completion percentage and I'm not saying it's going to hover around 70. I know it's going to be in a monsoon. I know the winds are going to be up there in that 40, 50 mile an hour range. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, but he's hovering around 48% in those first few games in terms of a completion yes. percentage. That's ugly. That's not going to get the job done. Um, if Gilmore's not playing, that opens up a lot for Stefan Diggs. You have John Brown returning. You obviously have Cole Beasley in the slot. We've seen that defenses lately have been playing uh, Josh Allen to sustain drives, hit the short passes, and Allen has been very accurate there. So one, I think you're going to see more accuracy from Allen. I don't know if you're going to see that many deep shots because of the weather, uh, but if they get the wind at their back, you might see him try one or two here and there. And you're right. He had some success with that last year. Dawson Knox for a near touchdown before halftime. That big play to John Brown in the second half of that second game. So there's going to be some opportunities there, but it's going to come down to not turning over the football and, and not just via interception. I think you're going to see a lot of running in this game from Buffalo's backs, but also from Josh Allen. He needs to make sure he tucks that ball away because we've seen he has a history of getting the ball knocked out from behind, taking a hit from the side and the ball goes out. So he needs to protect the football first and foremost. Yeah, I think this to me, and I'm I'm a little bit like, you know, if the, if the weather is really as bad as, you know, some people are fearing, I think you kind of have to throw this game out in terms of, you know, how Josh Allen matches up against Bill Belichick. But I think that that this is like a real measuring stick game for him. You know, he struggled against Kansas city a little bit. He struggled against Tennessee more. So um, came back and took what the defense gave him had 300 yards passing without really ever stretching the field, you know, going deep down the field. And that to me is, you know, progress. I mean, I, I mentioned it on the radio today, could you imagine in his rookie year, as we were talking about the inaccuracies and you know his his all the struggles and all the issues that people had with his game, if you you could give somebody a crystal ball and show them that stat line that he you know completed you know more than sixty five percent of his passes, 
threw for 300 yards in a game with no touchdowns and just continuously made, you know, move the football. I think a lot of people would have said, I don't know if he's going to ever be that kind of player. So he's, he's made good decisions. And one of the things I thought that really jumped out at me this week is how Bill Belichick has talked about Josh. And you got to be careful with that because, you know, a lot of times he's, he's known for wanting to puff guys up and make them feel good about themselves. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer joked about that with me two years ago. But what he said is he's so much better now at going to his second and third option and remaining calm in those moments, you know, and making better decisions in those moments. And that's what we've been talking about and, and what we've been seeing, you know, from him for the most part this season. And decision-making against this defense is so huge because even when they they throw something at you, and let me just bring up this quote here because I think it's an important one to, to what I'm trying to say. Um Okay. I have so much stuff from this week, Ryan. I, I've been writing all this, <laughs> all this stuff from all these different guys. It's in, it's in one big document. So I'm sorry. Cole Beasley said when I asked him about the biggest shift from Josh Allen against the Patriots last year and the guy that's walking into this game today. And he said he's really learned how to manage the situations where they're in a good position to take away what we have called on offense. Dable does a good job of mixing it up, but there's sometimes that they happen to make the right call on defense. Josh is a lot has done a lot better job of managing those situations and not trying to force anything. He's so competitive, he wants to win every single play. He's learned that sometimes they got the upper hand and you just got to take care of the rock and minimize bad plays. That's the key too. Minimize the bad plays. Like he's done a good job even against the Patriots not turning the ball over, not throwing those bad interceptions, but when you take a bad sack or you, uh, you know, try to force the ball in those, you know, those PFF, uh, you know, interceptable passes. You know, we joke about those, but you don't want them in this game because Bill Belichick, he's the guy that takes advantage of those kind of mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the interceptions. Like you said, we've seen it from Josh a few times this year where he takes a 10 or 12 yard sack on third down and drives the team out of field goal range. Uh, and he just makes one or two bad decisions here or there. He has to limit it. You know, one or two bad decisions, fine, so be it. Because for one or two bad decisions, he's going to do something similar in terms of scrambling, keeping a play alive, and he's going to hit something. He's going to find someone down the field, or he's going to run with the ball and make a play. You have to take the good with the bad. You can't just say, I only want the good plays in these situations. It'd be nice if the NFL worked that way, but it doesn't. So for every good play, or for maybe for every two good plays, there's one bad. He just has to make sure he protects that football doesn't try to squeeze it into digs. It's it's going to be very tempting for him, I think, to target digs early and often. If the if the you know it's not maybe monsoon as we're anticipating that the blowing sideways winds, rain and uh, and everything else. If if there's ever like a little taming period in that game, he's going to be tempted if Gilmore is out and he still has to realize the the Patriots are going to have a game plan for digs. They're going to try to take that best weapon away. So he has to be patient. He has to make sure that what he thinks he sees, he really does see on that field uh, because the Patriots can really play things up where they drop some guys back that look like they're coming and, and a lot of different things. So Allen has to be on his A game for sure on Sunday. Um, Lone Wolf asks, uh, watching on YouTube, how many fumbles Allen has this year? He's got four and he's lost, and the Bills have lost all four of them. Two of them were against the Jets in the opener, one against the Rams, and then one again last week against the Jets. And what's funny is he's only fumbled in those three games against the 
uh, Patriots. I, I, I was looking at some of his splits against the Patriots. He's only fumbled once in those three games. Uh, so that's that's a good sign. He's really has protected the ball quite a bit. He's got five career interceptions against the Patriots, but those all came in two games. So um, I think he's come a long way in that department in terms of taking care of the ball. But I think you also want to see him make some plays in this game too. Um, huge game for Josh. We'll talk about him a lot after the, the game. Check out my piece tomorrow. Let's move into the injury report a little bit here because um, the Bills are kind of getting healthy on the offensive line here. They're going to get back John Feliciano, we think, this week. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm guessing he's going to be slotted in at left guard. That's where he was practicing all week. Brian Winters at right guard, and then still Mitch Morse in the, in the middle, Deion Dawkins on the outside, and then uh, Daryl Williams on the outside. And I think that's big, Ryan, because, you know, I went back and watched the Patriots game last year, and they really didn't run the ball very well. Uh, they were healthy in that game on the offensive line, and I thought that, they kind of struggled against that that front for the Patriots. But now, I mean, you see all the guys that are banged up for the Pats. I mean, Lawrence Guy, a guy that everybody, you know, fears in the middle of that defensive line, he's banged up. Uh, they've lost pieces. They've lost Kyle Van Noy's not there. That's a high tower. Jamie Collins, all these different pieces. They're relying on a lot of young players. Um, Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche, who's been out. He's not even going to be in the mix for this game, I don't believe. So, um, I think the Bills, really, you get Feliciano back, you bring some of that nasty back into that huddle, and maybe you're you you, you know, you're Bobby Johnson, you motivate your guys, and, and maybe you get that run game going a little bit. Yeah, that, that's going to be the key for this game. Uh, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, you have to get them going. We saw what the 49ers did against the, the uh, Patriots last week. They, they ran at will on them, and it wasn't just their, their top backs because obviously they entered the game banged up at the running back position too. Uh, Jamichael, I want to say hasty. Uh, came in and had like 57 yards and nine carries. So anyone that came in was running the ball very well, very effectively. Now, Singletary and Moss have not had a lot of success this year on the ground. They're both averaging less than four yards per carry. But I thought that Zach Moss is coming off of his best game of the season. I thought he ran the ball very well last week. I don't think he hesitated at all. I feel like early in the year when he was healthy before he went out with that toe injury, he was kind of waiting for, for holes to develop instead of just kind of uh, hitting hitting the gap is immediately and and a little too hesitant. I didn't see that on Sunday. I want to see how he performs. I, I could see this being a Zach Moss game, that welcome to the NFL game that we've been waiting for. We know what Devin Singletary can do. He can make that first guy miss consistently. The problem for him this year is the first guy is usually in the backfield. So by the time he makes that guy miss, uh, other defenders are swarming around him. So he's only getting two, three yard gains here and there. I'm you. You have to hope that the return of John Feliciano opens things up for those running backs. Now, obviously, you can't expect him to come in, uh, and all of a sudden the Bills are rushing for 150, 200 yards a game. It, it, that's not who Feliciano is, uh, but he's going to improve this run blocking unit. He's going to open up some lanes. He is going to be a breath of fresh air for this team in this game, in my opinion, and it could end up playing a big result in how, uh, in, in terms of the final score. Yeah, I think you covered it there. I was going to ask you, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary, but I do, I do think this could be a, uh, a Zach Moss type of game. See a question in the comments about John Brown. Uh, full Three full days of practice. He is, does not have a game status designation, which usually means he is good to go to play on Sunday, and that's massive because if Stephon, if Stephon Gilmore can't play, you know the Patriots are going to be kind of uh, in trouble in terms of trying to figure out how to stop 
Stefan Diggs and John Brown at the same time. I was really looking forward to that Diggs versus Gilmore matchup. I tweeted out uh, earlier, you know, in the offseason after the Bills traded for uh, Diggs, uh, Stefan Gilmore tweeted about uh, Amari Cooper because Rex Ryan had, had made an, uh, a goofy remark about him on ESPN. Yeah, surprise, Rex Ryan, goofy <laughs> remark. And, you know, Stefan Gilmore came in and said, hey, listen, man, you know, Amari Cooper, Cooper's tough. And a Bills fan replied and went back at him and said, well, yeah, good luck covering Stefan Diggs this season. And another fan, a Patriots fan, replied to him and said, that's easy work. And Stefan Gilmore liked it, Mr. Bump and Grind out there. Uh, and so I thought that that was going to be such an exciting matchup. Diggs talked about how good this secondary is this week and what they have to do to beat them. So that would have been fun. But John Brown, back in the mix for the Bills, it seems like, which is is, is very good news. Cody Ford's still out, so they're dealing with the injury there. Isaiah McKenzie, who had been dealing with an ankle injury all week, good sign. He was a full participant in practice uh, today. He's still listed as questionable, but I'd imagine that he plays. Let's flip things over to the defensive side of the ball because there's a lot going on over there, Ryan. Um, let's let's start on the defensive line because you have three guys with designations of questionable. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Quentin Jefferson. Hughes with a foot, Jefferson with a knee. They are both questionable, but we're both full on Friday. That's good news. Vernon Butler, who has been your kind of lean on one tech in the last game here as they've tried to figure things out, he is questionable with a groin injury, and he did not practice for the second straight day today. So we could be looking at no Vernon Butler on Sunday. Maybe Harrison Phillips needed asked to come back and uh, contribute once again. Yeah, I like that you call it the Harrison Phillips revenge game. Uh, you know, he can come <laughs> out here and, and maybe prove, you know, I, I can still contribute. I can still play a fact here. But I do think that if Vernon Butler does not play, it's a significant loss to the Bills because I think both teams going to this game, it's going to be smash mouth based on the weather conditions. And if you don't have that one tech that can stop the run, plug up the run, it's it's going to be a long day at the office because the Patriots have no shortage of backs that can move the ball. You have Cam Newton who, yeah, he, he has really struggled as a passer, but he can move the ball with his legs when called upon, when, when that's part of the game plan. So you need to be stout up front, and that's what Butler does well. Now, Justin Zimmer, when he's had to play in that one tech spot, he, he's fared pretty well, but you want to limit his reps a little bit. You don't want him in there significant reps. Harrison Phillips, he's struggled. He he's, hasn't looked like the same player before that ACL injury, and I think that was to be expected. You're coming off of a serious injury. So there's going to be a hole there in the middle of this defense, though, if Vernon Butler cannot play, and that's a little bit worrisome because – uh, like you said, this is one of those classic games where you go into it and you think, boy, you know, everything's looking good for the Bills. And then in the fourth quarter, you're sitting there saying, what happened? Why, why aren't they winning this game? Why did they fall behind? If the Patriots can run successfully, they can keep the Bills offense off the field. They can drive down the field and, and put up points, whether it's field goals or touchdowns. They, the Bills need to show that they can stop the run. Add that extra man into the box, slow them down. But it all starts in the middle. And of those three players, while Jefferson and Hughes obviously have been much bigger factors overall this year, I think Butler would be a, the biggest loss uh, if, if he cannot play on Sunday against the Patriots. I'm with you there. Uh, the weather is going to be a little bit tricky, uh, I, I think. We, we talked quite a bit about it today. Um Staying on the injury front because there's two more that important ones that I want to get to. Matt Milano uh, revealed this week that uh, he's playing with a partially torn pec muscle, which 
is crazy to me. I mean, football is a crazy physical game. I can't imagine the type of pain that he's dealing with while trying to be out there and, and play through that kind of injury. Uh, I've never done it before. Maybe we should have had on banged on bills, uh, banged up bills on here. Uh, our guy over there to see if, uh, you know, what that's actually like, because from a physicality standpoint, that just seems crazy to me. He's limited for the game or he's questionable for the game, limited all three days in practice. And he was in the red non-contact Jersey all week this week. Um, and when he was coming back early, um, he was not. So obviously the, the toll that last week's game took on him in the limited role that he played was significant enough to say, okay, don't touch this guy all week. Micah Hyde is in the leagues or the NFL's concussion protocol. He didn't practice any day this week. He's questionable as well. It is trending in the direction that he is not going to be available. And, you know, I've seen a lot of chatter about Jaquan Johnson, the rookie that obviously popped a little bit against the Jets in week 17 last, last year. I think this is going to be a spot where the bills put in Dean Marlowe veteran guy trust is there from Sean McDermott going back to their time together in Carolina. He knows the defense. I think that's the the safest bet uh, for Sunday. Yeah, I agree with that on the Marlowe point. I think like you said, actually you said it perfectly. Marlowe has been with McDermott since Carolina. He, he knows the ins and outs of this defense. He's not a flashy player, but considering the weather conditions, there's probably not going to be a lot of passing in this game. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a reliable player there. I would like to see Jaquan get a few snaps mixed in here and there. I, I, you know, you, you don't want to question a, a coaching set because they obviously know a lot more than we do, but I'd like to see Jaquan get a few snaps here and there because I think he is a big part of this future. I feel like Saran Neal in that secondary, I'm surprised he hasn't played as much as he has uh, considering Taron Johnson's struggles and, and things of that nature. So it's going to be interesting, but you know, the one thing I'll say about Micah Hyde is I agree with you. I think he's trending in the direction of not playing. If there's one player on this defense that could miss an entire week of practice and not miss a beat on the field, it's Micah Hyde. Hmm. Um, he just he he knows everything about this defense. He's so important from that communication standpoint in terms of what he sees. But obviously, you can't rush back from a concussion. It's going to depend on where he's at. But if he does clear the concussion protocol, I could see him playing on, on Sunday just based on um, how important he is to the scheme, but also just how well he knows the ins and outs. Linebacker position, we've seen what this team looks like without Matt Milano. It is worrisome that he says that it's not a complete tear because it could turn into a complete tear at any point in time here. And then you're left scrambling and wondering what's going to happen. And yeah, they're in the process of signing uh, Darren Lee, former Jets first round pick. Um, But he never lived up to that hype. He is a great athlete. He could play an important role as a depth linebacker. But I don't want to see what happens if Milano misses significant time because we've seen this the middle of this defense get picked apart when he has not been out there. So managing Milano throughout the rest of the season is so important uh, to this defense. Obviously, I think Milano wants to be out there, one, because he's just a team player first and foremost. But two, this is a contract year for the guy. Uh, he, he wants to make as much money as possible, whether that's with the Buffalo or another team. And, and being available, being out there on the field and making those splash plays is what's going to help him. Uh, come, you know, following the season when he does hit the market or whether the Bills are negotiating with him up until that point. Cole Wilkinson on YouTube makes a pretty good point here. Uh, he mentions Micah Hyde is more important to the pass D than the run D, so not as worried about him missing. And if you're going to have a game where, you know, and obviously Micah Hyde is very physical player. Like, you know, you look at the play where he was penalized uh, for the hit on Brashad Perryman last week, which who knows, maybe that was where the injury, the concussion occurred because, um, you, you hate to speculate, but that was a pretty big collision. 
Dean Marlowe is a guy you get in here and he is going to be a physical presence. He is going to put his helmet in there and try to make a, you know, a, a statement early in this game, probably. Uh, so it, I think, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, somebody's asking about, if, is it worth looking into Don Terry Poe? You brought that question up. We talked a bit about him on the uh, Wednesday podcast. So go check that out. But also Ryan, there's been an update on that because Ian Rapport's reporting. It's going to be a little bit, a little while. Yeah. So, you know, Jerry Jones, first and foremost, said, oh, this guy was playing 30 pounds overweight and really didn't do anything about it. Well, I think in the offseason, he was banged up still after he signed. He he did show up overweight. He didn't have that traditional offseason to lose the weight. So he's trying to get right from the injury perspective, but probably also try to get into some better shape so he can sign with the contender here later on in the year. So don't look for Don Terry Poe to sign anywhere uh, anytime too soon. You might be looking at that last quarter of the season for a, a time frame, maybe week 12 on. Now, if the Bills are contending at that point, which based on the looks of the AFC East, there's a very good chance they will be. If they're still looking for a one technique at that point, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because of that relationship he has with Eric Washington. Uh, but right now, he's not going to be the answer just because he's come out and said he's going to hold off for a little bit, get right, get healthy, which is something he's apparently been dealing with uh, not playing near 100% at all this season. All right, prediction time, Ryan. We got to get out of here. It is Friday night. Uh, we want to drop a little 40-minute pod on you guys to get you ready for Sunday. Um, who are you picking and uh, how's it going to go? Bills in an ugly game, 16-13. I told you all week I was trending towards picking the Patriots. Um, and I was staying with that pick all the way up until yesterday when the Stefan Gilmore news broke. And you know, you look, there's no excuses here, Ryan. This is, you know, I, I somebody shared a uh, clip from Pat McAfee and, and tagged me on Twitter. And he basically said, listen, the bills have been getting their, uh, their, their stuff stomped for years in this, in this rivalry. And it's time for them to punch back. And there's no excuses. You got John Brown back. The offense is whole. You're missing some guys on defense, but you're going up against one of the worst offenses in the NFL and kill Harry's out. Julian Edelman's out. Sony Michelle's on IR. They're they're down some offensive linemen. Joe Tooney's questionable. Uh, Shaq Mason's the only with a calf. He's questionable. What what more do you want? Go out there, punch this team in the face. Jerry Hughes said that's the plan. Twenty seventeen Buffalo Bills win to take a commanding lead in the division. We'll see what the Miami Dolphins do as well. But I'm picking the Bills. Uh, thank you so much for watching, Ryan. What 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 do you got going on the rest of the weekend here? And um, Final thought. You know, the rest of the weekend, I'm going to look at some more trade targets. I was actually going to go with Thomas Davis, but now that the Bills signed Lee, I don't know if they necessarily need that depth piece. So I'm going to maybe look at and see what else is out there in terms of being a good fit for the Bills. I'll have something up on the site about that tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll have a, a little blurb in your prediction coming out tomorrow too. And then obviously stay with us all day Sunday. Uh, we will have obviously our how to watch the game, report card, instant observations, and then later that night, we will have our post-game podcast, which, fingers crossed, the Bills will have a big win that will have a lot of Bills fans happy uh, going into that second half of the season. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it. Like Ryan said, keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com all weekend. I'm going to drop the big preview tomorrow. I got a, a Josh Allen, Bill Belichick story you're going to want to check out. I wrote about Jerry Hughes earlier in the week. Go check that out. I even put up a little uh, little story on Ed Oliver and Cam Newton. We asked him about uh, that in 
altercation last year. Uh, so that's some fun stuff as well. Find us on all the audio platforms if you can. Uh, a good reminder in the comments on YouTube, if you do consume the show live on YouTube, make sure you turn notifications on so you can always hop on with us when we go live. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review on all the audio platforms. And we'll be back Sunday evening, 7.30. That's going to be a new practice, by the way, on, uh, for home games, especially uh, home games. Um, we're going to do uh, 7.30, which will be after the, the, the late games are done and before uh, Sunday night football kind of hit you in that middle window. Uh, so we could talk about your your, your, your Bills uh, game that day. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will see you on Sunday. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.